Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's good, Internet? It is January 20th, 2017. It is Austin Walker coming to you not live, mm-hmm. not honestly with a lot of energy. Uh, not, not really life. No, there's nothing alive. good. What's good, Internet? There's What's bad, Internet? <laughs> well, lots is bad. I mean, you have to remember that, like, what's good? So there's, there's actually two what's goods, right? There's, like, you see someone on the street that you haven't seen in a while, like, oh, man, what's good? Like, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. The other one is when someone does you wrong and you look at them <laughs> from across the way and you go, what's good? What's good, Donald Trump? No, what's really good, Donald Trump? I like, feel like you did that to, to Jaden Smith this morning. I... <laughs> I, I, can I tell you the truth? I didn't <laughs> know do. that was I didn't know that was Jaden Smith. So I I woke up what this morning late. I thank, first of all, Patrick Klepek, Daniel Riendo, thank you for joining uh-huh. me as always on Waypoint Radio. Thank you for listening to us today on on this uh, uh, historic day. <laughs> I woke up this morning and took took a look on the internet on Twitter. I was like, oh, what's going on today? Is there any news? What's um, good today? Yeah. What's good today? And saw a news story over on Vulture about the new Shia LaBeouf, 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 Shia LaBeouf project (laughs) called uh, He Will Not Divide Us, in which he set up a camera and a microphone outside of the Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria, Queens, where people could go and speak into the camera and microphone. And that is... That's within walking distance of me. It's near a Starbucks that I've done lots of work at in the past year or two, um, and I had to go get coffee this morning. So I uh, I was walking by and I was like, "Man, I'm just gonna say some shit real quick," um, <laughs> because like that project was that project is like an interesting project. Also, I kind of I kind of I have issues with it, which you can hear about in the video of me stepping in front of Jane Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and basically grabbing the mic and then just saying some shit. He will not divide us. You guys mind if I say something? So I kind of reject the notion that he will not divide us because we're already divided. Um, I think that there is like this wide notion that democracy is built on consensus. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that's, that might be true right this second, that democracy is built on consensus right now and that's a problem. It ought to be built on dissensus. It should be built on a rejection of the notion that there is a single common frame, that there is one way of looking at the world that that dominates and everything else has to fall under. Democracy at its best recognizes that we are already divided and confronts that division intellectually and critically. Uh, and materially also, not just like people talking in a building somewhere or at a camera here in Astoria. But like also uh, with with changes in policy and practice, uh, and so instead for the next four years of 
just leaning into a rhetoric of unification, I hope that we instead look for some sort of practice that engages with the real differences that Americans face, uh, and that from there moves not just to, to stitch up that division, um, but to, to recognize the places in which the larger frame encourages it. Uh, and then from there, I don't know, maybe we do some cool shit. I'm Austin Walker. I'm going. But I didn't know it was Jaden Smith. And then, like, afterwards, <laughs> I went home, and people were like, Why did, yo, you just ran up on Jaden Smith. And I was like, oh, uh, oh shit, that's Jaden Smith. Okay. And it was. I didn't recognize him. Oops. <laughs> Wasn't, did, you said something like he's shorter in person. That's I why you didn't recognize him. I can't just put the... I, He's shorter. He has a big personality, and so sure. I assume most celebrities are like right. Not what you necessarily expect when you you know when you see them in person. That's always like somebody's shorter, somebody's taller. I, and I'm not that tall. Like I'm six foot even, right? So I expect he'd be like five eleven or six foot even or something. But it definitely felt young. He felt smaller than that, which is not a diss. I my stepdad, who I love dearly, is like five six, five eight, something like that. It's cool to be a short dude. Some and of go us for are it. short. No you one's, know? Some people are short. It just that's just bodies, bodies. You know, bodies are bodies. But it's not where I thought I'd be this morning. So, <laughs> um, and then I watched the inauguration. How about you? I stayed away from it. So, Patrick, I see you. I see you taking a sip of coffee over there. You know, I know it's not good for radio. Hey, is, but is, there there, anything, is there anything in that coffee? It's is nothing that... in this coffee. <laughs> I, I allowed myself to, one. Oh, look, man, if you, I had one beer during the inauguration, but if you have more than one beer, then you're just going down the path. And yep. <laughs> uh, uh, Comrade Trump may be president now, but uh, I am still a parent. And so, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a little time. Uh, yeah, I did watch it. I, I, I thought I don't uh, blame anyone for their own coping mechanisms, their own Absolutely. ways of dealing with what's happening. But it was important for me to, to bear witness, to, to understand, and to, to, mm-hmm. to see it happen. And so... That's 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 why I watched it. Yeah, there was an opp- there's an opportunity at any inauguration to lay out a plan, but also to lay out a tone about like what your not just your specific policy priorities are, but like where what's the picture of America that you want to put on the postcard that gets sent to every American and to everyone in the world. And it was very interesting to see him just like return to the campaign playbook um, of just like. Oh, like, this is the shit you got elected on from this very narrow base that's, like, not narrow, not that narrow, from this from this very large base, but, but not a majority. Um, and I don't know what I expected, but I expected, I guess I expected, I expected him to, like, gesture at playing ball, right? To at least, like, put on that hat for the day. Yeah, just lie to us. Just say, like, hey, man, I'm, I want to be your president, too, and I can go... No, you don't. But I, I but guess I appreciate the gesture, right. which is like half of poli- like half of politics is like a meaningless gesture that makes you feel good, even as they're uh, <laughs> doing something else behind your back. Uh-huh. And in some ways, I, I you know, I'd rather like he is what he is. You know, he this the, the the word of the last like year has been uh, the the word pivot. You know, this this sense that at some point he realized the gravity of the situation. Uh, that you know he is you know, technically the president of, of all of us, and that he'll speak in that manner. And instead, he's doubling down on what got him elected, and you know he'll rise on that, he'll fall on that uh, for 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 better or worse, at least for his own fortunes. It was very strange to hear phrases like uh, "carnage in American streets," "gangs," right. "gangs." Uh. I'm surprised he didn't say the inner cities were crumbling. 
Oh, I'm, God. Uh, he has in the past, so... Yeah. We definitely had a conversation last night, Austin, with uh, um, with another editor at Vice about, like, trying to attempt to look at, at, at some good news happening in the world. Yeah. You know, Chelsea Manning is going to be totally. out of prison soon. And there's a big march tomorrow. There's a big march tomorrow. I'm going to be I'm going to be marching in New York tomorrow. Awesome. I'm going to try to do my 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 part. I'm going to bring some medical stuff just in case. We'll see. There's a it's a good idea. <laughs> um, there is um, a story up on the site by the time you hear this that is uh, all about the the women's march on Washington and the uh, kind of adjacent marches across the the world that are in support of that march. Um, Over 30 across the world and uh, 50, one in every state in America, at least one wow. in every state. So hun- there are hundreds of sister marches if folks awesome. are interested. In, uh, and that's and that's uh, up on waypoint.vice.com, written by Danielle. We also yes. have up some other great stuff this week all, all about if you're in an, uh, a, a politics mindset right now, let me tell you, you can come to our website and get a bunch of stuff. We have a, a great piece by Joseph Nope. Not nope, Joseph Noop. I'm just in a nope Leslie state of nope. mind. You know, <laughs> nope. cool. She's uh, great. <laughs> Joseph Noop wrote uh, a really great reported piece on um, the ways in which the American, or sorry, the Affordable Care Act and, and its potential ap- uh, repeal could affect game development. Uh, we've seen like a real explosion in the independent game scene over the last five years, and the kind of thing that this piece gets at is like, oh right, like being able to have healthcare has been part of that, um, where small developers can not be turned away for pre-existing conditions, where they can be sure that like they'll have access to some degree of healthcare, and then also like mid-sized developers can instead of going in on a really expensive plan, can just give a stipend to their workers and be sure that they can at least go to the marketplace to try to get something. Um, <clears throat> it's really an interesting piece. And there's all sorts of other things about, about the ways in which, you know, that uh, policy has had, you know, helped with diversity inside of the games industry and helped with just a feeling of stability, like all sorts of really fantastic, interesting stuff. Um, so check that out. And then Patrick, you wrote a really good piece this week also on um, the GOP arcade and, and kind of political satire game. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed the the three folks that put together a lot of, uh, you might be familiar with a game called uh, thoughts and prayers. Uh, there's another one uh, called bomb the right place. That'll make you feel bad about yourself for not yep. knowing more about uh, Middle East geography. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's essentially just kind of talking through their pro- – basically these people that didn't design games before suddenly designing games and trying to use sort of satire and humor uh, and trying to convey messages through sort of game design and sort of what they've learned and how people have, have responded because uh, like it won't shock me if things like that are – you know, I, often in tumultuous times, art is one of the – you know, when you don't necessarily have – the political votes, uh, art and culture are often where that stuff is expressed. Like we see a lot of stuff during, you know, like the Vietnam War and um, and other sort of tumultuous times. And so it won't surprise me if games are a part of that over the next four years. One of the things that is um, that I think we've been thinking about a lot lately. So so I'll, I'll we're thinking a lot about the sorts of articles that we can write, not only to report on stuff that's happening, but also the sort of articles that we can write that uh, are about outfitting um, the reader with some set of skills or some some set of the ability to go out in the world and make something cool. And I, I really am, I roll my eyes at the kind of Amanda Palmer, 
the next few years are going to be filled with great music thing. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, feel free to Google that. Uh, Amanda Palmer of the Dresden Dolls uh, said this uh, days before moving to Australia from the United <laughs> States. Um, <laughs> you know, and for, uh, yeah. Uh, but but I, I do think that there is an opportunity, not, not an opportunity, I think that there is value in going out and making cool shit right now and making stuff that engages with your experience and that is something you want to you want to watch or play or read and so I, I think a lot of us here at Vice are thinking about that right now and the type of journalism that maybe gets denigrated often the kind of like service journal how-to journalism um but we kind of were thinking about trying to do that in some cool ways so look forward to that next week you guys just want to take some questions today you want to go back yeah. to our politics hole maybe yeah, let's go yeah. back to the, the hole of politics. Let's dig ourselves back in. Let's dig back deeper in. into the politics bucket. Because <laughs> the hole of I'm politics. not going to lie. Like, I, I just, I'm going to lean on. I'm leaning on other people to help me through today and their questions to maybe turn our rambling into something a little more pointed. So give me, give me a number. Pointed, even. Thank you. Waypointed. Go, go ahead, Patrick. You, you watch the inauguration. Mm. You're, you're in more pain than I am right now. You, you, one you to 31. I, I had one beer, so let's go with number one. <laughs> Good. All right. This, this comes from Raj. How do you see Trump's upcoming term impacting the tone and timber in which gaming discusses, interacts, and evolves when it comes specifically to the issues of race and gender? There's an overwhelming sense that a lot of progress was made during Obama, but the question is now, will these issues regress or progress in spite of a Trump presidency, and how will it shape the lexicon and discourse that gaming falls into? Um, which is kind of like a, a broad question. I think we can be even, even a little broader than just race and, and gender here, too. I really hope it means people, people, game critics, people who are, are engaging in games, I hope it means they're holding developers' feet to the fire harder than ever. I hope it means that people are saying things like, no, this is bullshit. We've seen that this is bullshit. We need to progress rather than regress. We need to actually kind of take things further. I'm really hoping that this, this, this makes me angry. I think it makes a lot of people angry. And when I'm saying this, I'm talking about the current climate. Uh, right. politically speaking, and I, I'm hoping it makes people say, no, we're going to fight harder. And that goes back to what you were just saying about, you know, art is is really useful in these times. Art is really incredibly useful, not just for the artist, but for the people who engage with it, the people who get something out of it. So I'm really, really hoping uh, that that uh, sort of translates into games as well. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's hard to say because I don't know that uh, any of us are... I don't know that we've settled on like what this means. Like, right. you know, I mean, uh, we you know spent eighteen months in a in a protracted uh, presidential campaign, and then the last couple of months, uh, sort of hand wringing over what might happen. And you right. know, what starts today is the actual presidency of of Donald Trump, and. The actual rolling out of of although I guess he's apparently taking the weekend off and starting he's on Monday. The off. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. I mean, it was a long campaign. I guess sure. Um, but you know, like the, the the like what actually happens, like what the response is, what people's uh, feelings are, like what those how that sharpens is, I think, yet to be determined because um, so much seems at stake, but it's yet unclear. Uh, like where those sort of proxy fights are, are going to happen, I think that's where you end up seeing people sort of, sort of sharpen their rhetoric and their you know sort of rhetorical swords in terms of how that rolls out in art. Um, I, I would be shocked if much changes in sort of like the, the triple A space, space um, yeah. just because it's so slow moving, um, right? Like a game that wants to respond to Trump, right? Like if it goes in development now, might be coming out like 
as he's finishing up four years or, or like, right. yeah. you know, who else knows? So I, I, I would imagine, like, there won't be, like, direct responses, but you can see things more subliminally, right? Like, sort of, like, cracking down uh, on minorities and things like that that have been uh, – those existed before Trump will exist after Trump. Um, uh, and uh, I guess I'm ex- more excited about sort of, like, independent developers, smaller games, things that um, right. can uh, be created, uh, released, and iterated on in, in, a, in a fashion that's a little quicker. Um and I'll be curious to see what, how that happens and where video games find that voice because, you know, over the course of, you know, Obama's presidency, you know, it's probably true that, like, a lot of game development, like, leans liberal. Like, I, I don't have the stats on that, but, like, sure. that's my gut feeling based on, you know, all my time uh, in it. Um, how does that change under, uh, you know, a radically different presidency? Like, I don't think we know because I think a lot of people were a lot younger under George Bush and weren't necessarily as politically active or right. activated. Um, spent eight years under Obama uh, in which you may have really disagreed with him on lots of policies, including myself, but generally felt like you had a, a dude with a good head on his shoulders that was mm-hmm. trying to make the right decision. And now that may not be the case. And so how art changes and what that means, like, I don't know. But I'm, I'm ex- I, I, excited is the wrong word, but I am excited to see how games respond in that moment. Um, because games are uniquely matured in this moment in a way they haven't been in the past. In the past, yeah, totally. Like it's, it's. I think about the ability for. So, like on one hand, I like think about the ability of how quick it is for, or how possible it is for any one of us to say, "All right, I'm going to take the next two weeks off and make something," um, or or the next week off and make something. Like, which is of course based on the notion that we could take a week off to do that, or. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend the next. I'm going to spend my my you know two hours before bed over the next three months making a cool thing. Um, that is the thing that that the tools exist for now. Yes. Um, on, at the same time, like it's one of those things that I I had not thought about it until that Joseph Noop article about how that boom of independent games came at a time where things for many Americans felt like we were in recovery and then worse was stable. And then in which many Americans again had access to healthcare, um, you know, had, had access to, to um, not just like direct tools, but like some degree of, of arts funding that's being cut, uh, you know, some degree of support inside of communities that were made up of people from multiple different, you know, uh, uh, you know, ethnicities and, and, and nationalities, uh, and who knows what the future for immigration looks like in, in America, um, that were made up of people who finally felt comfortable being, you know, out in public and in public spaces. Like, those, those sorts of things were part of what made the independent community blow up. Um, I'm not saying, like, thanks, Obama, you invented indie gaming. Right. <laughs> but, like, but, but that but, culture in that era right. did have a lot of things that contributed, for sure. Absolutely. Totally. And so I'm curious now... Like, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. I don't think this is like tomorrow Donald Trump is is going to walk into the – or Monday Donald Trump is going to walk into the White House. <laughs> and uh, and like, no more indie games. And that's it. And they're, they're done. But I do want to think about the material – like, the material foundation on which a lot of that happened. And, like, to see that stuff – threatened is scary because the result isn't just like oh 
we're not going to get the witness two or whatever. Right. Um, or like there, there won't be more porpentine games like that's It's, it's, I mean, that's both of those are things that are possible, but the, the, the second thing there is like those people will filter back into the triple A space or try to, or leave games altogether and go right. You know, I have so many people who used to make or people in my life who are like, yeah, I used to make games for a couple of years and now I'm going to go into teaching. I'm going to go into, into finance. I'm going to try to do the poetry thing because like the gaming space just doesn't feel like it's for me anymore. Um, and I could see that happening with a lot of people who right now are making really fucking cool projects. You know, I think about like yeah. Scott Benson, who is, is on the team that's making night in the woods and like, without the ACA, without those protections, does he just go to be an animator at Nickelodeon? You know? Um, I'm sure he'd make a great show there, but, like, <laughs> I want him to keep making cool games. <sighs> yeah, I, can, I can also think specifically, you know, in the piece I wrote about the march, there's, there's someone who wanted to remain anonymous specifically yeah. because of immigration issues, specifically because of this sort of stuff. Right. That's That's what I'm most terrified of, is, like, a closing down of things that were once opening up. Yep. Uh, so Yeah, like, does that extend to that person's work? At, at what yeah. point does that go from, I want to be anonymous in this piece you're writing, to I don't even feel comfortable speaking or making a game that speaks to my issues because yeah. I don't want to put a target on my back. And exactly. that's like, ooh, that's that's scary. So I'm going to I'm going to just l- like jump from this question to the next question that's in the bucket because it's a good connection. This comes in from Khalif from uh, straight out of Chicago. Uh shout out to, to Spawn on Me. It's like a great podcast with some nice. It is, some yeah, great absolutely. Dudes. Uh so shout out to them. Uh, he says, hey, crew, with Trump being in the White House, do you think we'll see a rise in conservative-leaning messages in games? Will we see a rise in anti-politically correct games? <sighs> um, which I don't think is, is necessarily a, um, it, you know, I don't think that that's a, a necessarily in a, in a contradiction to the previous question. Right? I think you could live in a world in which there are both increasingly uh, liberal or leftist games and increasingly right-wing, conservative, alt-right, anti-politically correct, like, fuck you games. I mean, you could argue that a lot of, of games in the AAA space, especially, you know, maybe not in the last, like, two or three years, but four years back and, and further were, mm-hmm. they had a lot of militaristic sort of right-wing Listen, messages. I, so I, it's you know, not unheard I, of. <laughs> the Division is a game I liked a lot. I also shot a lady to death while she was screaming Black Lives Matter. Like, right. uh, that happened this year. Yeah. Or last yeah, year. Not you know, even like the last two years. Yeah, exactly. So It's still happening. Like, yeah, in some way, I think I, I totally can imagine that stuff continuing. You know, we're, we're a couple of months out, a month out from, from Tom Clancy's Coke Wars, right? <laughs> the, uh, Wildlands. Ghost Recon Wildlands. Ghost Recon <sighs> Cocaine Mountain. Yep. Um... And uh, so I could, I, you know, I don't think that those two things are necessarily in opposition. I, I can totally see that stuff. And I mean, that also just reflects the increasing polarization, right? Like the, the truth of this election wasn't just that America has a lots of like really regressive ideas it has never really contended with and that those have been in fact used to put people in power. And now the kind of chickens have come home to roosts, uh, uh, but also that there is a, has been real progress made. Uh, and that the country is strongly divided on on where it's going from here. So I, I you know, for my money, I could uh, very easily imagine some super out there conservative, very obviously, you know, America first carnage in the streets games, and then also games that are like, you know, interested in diversity and interested in in you know other sorts of conflict resolution and, and all that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know necessarily there'll be a rise of like conservative leaning video games like I. 
the the arc of uh, history is not sh- history history is not really shown that in other mediums necessarily. Right. Um, well, I, I don't know I, that that's true. It depends on. So that's the thing is that like it depends. I'm not sure, I'm just, like, but I'm not sure if like the proliferation of like uh, sort of like warmongering and Call of Duty necessarily is a reflection of like a conservative leaning. Like that's also like a lot true. of demo- like, I, think about like think about the rise of modern warfare comes like in the middle of the war in Iraq, in the yeah. middle of lots of broader rhetoric around like how dope we are at war. Like people wanted to see that, and then and then look today at like. The 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 uh, but that's but that's like that's also like that's in all sorts of me. I don't know if I would necessarily label that as a conservative. Like that's like there are a lot of liberals uh, that sign up for that sort of rhetoric too. I don't know if I necessarily pigeonhole that as as conservative. Break out of that. It's more of a status quo. Like, like you know, the status quo of America as a superpower than it is necessarily like a left right divide thing. But it is definitely like a. The status quo is good in this case. Like that's but that's even, sort of what that message is saying. I think, I think if we were in a Hillary presidency and she's a very hot, she was a very hawkish candidate who I easily could have seen get, getting us into involved in, in more uh, armed conflicts around the world. I also think that could have been reflected in whatever games came out after that. So sure. you're right; it's not just like a left right breakdown thing. Um, but I do think that what I guess what I'm saying is I could totally see the policies of Trump and the Trump administration. And, uh, you know, a Congress that is is right wing being reflected in work that comes out. I also think that we should think a lot about what the alt right will start to produce. Yeah. Um, The so-called alt right that that organized white supremacist groups, organized isolationist groups will start to produce because the same tools that make it very easy for, you know, interesting queer collectives to put out rad work uh, are still easy to use for other people. Um, and I don't think we've seen any great work of the far right uh, inside of gaming. I don't think we've seen a super successful. There is no like antithesis to Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, but for people who who hate people of color, there was that um, one game. It wasn't good. The hatred. Uh, hatred. Is, happens. That's what I said. Hatred too could happen. You know. Um, yeah, totally. But, but I don't know. But I do think that like I could imagine a world in which we see uh, uh, an indie boom targeted at that that set of consumers and like then we'll have to see i would i i wish that would happen not because i like i'm 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 not i'm not interested in like a game that is like hateful towards minorities necessarily but like i'm not looking for that swing but right i i I would be for like games being used as a tool to express viewpoints even the viewpoints that i you know disagreed or violently disagreed with because i i think it's an interesting way to express them i'm just i'm skeptical whether that will actually happen we'll see uh you know i think it, it depends on a lot of things I wrote a I wrote a an editorial forever ago, like a decade ago, which was to say like I don't know that I stand by it all the way. <laughs> Basically saying like people talk about the Citizen Kane of games. Again, this was a decade ago. Oh, so yeah, yep, people totally. talk about like when will we see the Citizen Kane of games and, and I'm curious when instead we will see the um uh what the fuck is the movie I'm thinking of? Why am I blanking? What, what's it about? Uh, oh, it's it's about black people overrunning the, the White House. It's a very important film. The guy then made a film. He made Tolerance was his film after that. D.W. Griffith? G- yeah, Griffith, yes. Oh, you're talking about Birth of the Nation. Birth of the Nation. Yeah. Oh, Birth okay. Birth of the Nation of games. <laughs> um, uh, when will we see that? Because, like, that's, the, that's a film that, as a piece of media, 
influenced filmmaking in this big way and also is despicable. Yeah. Um, and like we haven't we haven't gotten that quite yet in gaming. I'm just like, ooh, this is terrible. And also, what can we learn from it technically? Yeah. And that's like a difficult thing that would that would be a difficult thing for gaming to work through. Yeah. I certainly know some people who would say that that has happened, but they would say right. that about those militaristic, you know, about like modern warfare. Exactly. Right. You know? Exactly. Right. That it has some despicable messages in it that you could argue that the you know, colonialism and imperialism of America is like right. despicable, and that oh, but it's also a technically very sound work that we could learn from. But right, the scripting is really incredible. Yeah, you know, and like it's really fun to play. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is, right. Yep. How do we how do we contend with that? All right, let's get another another number. We're down to twenty nine questions in the politics bucket. Danielle, give me a okay. number. Okay, uh, today's the twentieth. Uh, let's go twenty. Okay. Dark day. Okay, so this comes in from Chrysanthemum from Florida. Hi, Austin, Danielle, and Patrick, and whoever else. Hi. Loving the podcast, y'all have helped make my hour-long commute each day enjoyable. A couple of years ago, I got to talk with a friend about a couple of VR games he was working on. One put the player in the shoes of someone walking into a Planned Parenthood surrounded by protesters yelling at them and was intended to get protesters to empathize with people who required Planned Parenthood services. Another was the exploration of the scene of the Trayvon Martin shooting. I think that because VR can create a very strong sense of immersion, it's a really good choice for games like this, and I'm definitely excited to see games that tackle very visceral and relevant topics like these head-on. However, I'm concerned that the inaccessibility of VR could really lessen the actual impact games like these could have. What are y'all's opinions, and have you and have you seen any games uh, like these achieve success on any scale? Thanks, Chrysanthemum from Florida. Patrick, I know you've been doing a lot of VR stuff lately. What are your thoughts? Haven't seen anything like that. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential there, right? Like I think yeah. you know, if we if we think of video games as being one of the mediums that is best at uh, generating empathy from from the player um, or the person interacting with it, I, you know, VR only enhances that. But I don't know that I've seen like great examples of that uh, quite yet. But I think that there could be. Like I think, yeah, I think the idea of like. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, ideas pitched around of like, you know, like we're, you know, these 360 degree cameras that could like take you into, you know, protests or war zones, like being able to do that with a VR headset, like seems like a really compelling way to like better understand, you know, the, what it's like, you know, like what the like giving a crisis is in like Syria or something like that. Like if you were able to put on a headset, and like actually be around there as opposed to just like watching a little video on your phone. Like I think there there's something to that. Um but but unfortunately, like a lot of that remains sort of just potential. But I think right. there is, I think there, you know, which is a lot of like a, larger issues with VR at, at the moment is is still sort of oh you could do that oh that would be interesting and, and not as much of it. But to, to get to Chrysanthemum's other point there, like who sees it right now? Like yeah. who has access to VR? I guess Daydream is launching in the near future. Pre-orders are I think are available now for Google's slightly more affordable um vr solution uh, i don't know how much gear vr is or well, not gear vr but like what's the uh like samsung has been pushing yeah. their vr solution for for a little for while, while. Um, yeah but still like it's a limited audience and like i yeah. think that's it's tough already to want to tackle one of these big issues and then if you're like okay but only people who can afford <laughs> these you know hundreds right. of dollars expensive <laughs> headsets can see it it's like well my audience might actually be the ones who super can't afford that, so I want to try to scale down or or wait until that stuff is more affordable to work in that medium. Like, who knows? I'm curious. 
personally, like, I think browser games have been amazing at sure. this sort of thing. Like, I think of, you know, the sort of sterling gold example is, is Anna Anthropy's Dysphoria from several years ago. It's, you know, you can play it in a browser and it just, you know, the way that games are, are so good at actually make, you know, you have to interact. The story cannot go forward if you don't interact. So you have to engage with the systems. You have to engage with feeling out of place. You have to engage with feeling dysphoria to even, you know, play the game. Uh, things like that, I think, are still pretty much the you know the way to go at this point but i i, I do i i do also like i i don't like vr necessarily yet but i i'm interested <laughs> in it being a, a real thing i'm interested in yeah. it being accessible i'm interested in it being accept- accessible to people who don't have a lot of money so uh one thing i would say is uh unfortunately like lots of people that aren't us don't play browser games um right. <laughs> the, one of the giant stumbling blocks if 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 Tim Cook of Apple did anything in the next four years, uh, I would love it if he lifted the restrictions on yes. the App Store for uh, not currently not allowing sort of actual political video yeah. games or anything that takes any sort of stance uh, related to politics in any direction. Or history like, or, or the world yeah. or anything. The App Store is extremely, extremely limiting in terms of what you can actually create there, which is a vestige of Steve yeah. Jobs. The app stores where you know is one of the biggest places where people yeah. access things, um, and and the idea that one of the places where people can be reached um, that is off limits to political speech is is distressing. Um, but I, I think we're able to hand wave it a little bit more in the Obama era, and I think it distresses me way more in the Trump era, where like you have all these people with all these devices, right. and there's no way for creators to communicate with them because apple just straight up says no that's just we don't consider that to be what games should do go and like all of these people who've gotten really good about uh making mobile games over the last five to ten years right like people who've like figured out how to make really cool shit on the iphone who maybe now want to say something can't do it there and that's that's kind of that's a bummer and i'm with you i hope tim cook changes that policy let's call on tim cook today Fucking open on, up the Tim. app store. Come on, Tim. Hey, hey, Tim. Come on. We know you're listening. We know you're. We know you're a big fan. We're very flattered. You know. We're pleased. We appreciate it, Tim. <laughs> this is, oh, Tim. This is very confusing for Tim Barnes, by the way. If who's going to for Tim oh for my us God. this podcast? If Tim Barnes can change the policies Tim on the Barnes. app store, then that's fine too. Tim. Step one, Tim Barnes. I, give me a call. I want to hear more of that Lord of the Rings stuff that you were telling us the other day. That stuff sounds great. Two. Come on, change the app store, Tim. Come on, Come on. Tim. <laughs> Come on, Tim. Give me another number, and we will keep working through our bucket. Uh, it's 2017. Let's go to 17. Nice one. Nice one. This comes in um, from, from Dimpta, and it is a difficult question. Great. Does the plethora of cheap, addictive digital games available to modern people drive down political and community engagement? Does anyone have an answer for this that is based on something other than their gut prejudices and or and or vague platitudes that sometimes gaming brings people together? I met my significant other via gaming, etc. Way, way, way to undercut all of our answers. Yes, which is why it's a good fucking question, uh, Dimfna. Uh, you know, I think that this is a, a difficult question that is one of those things that is important for us to think about because this is what we do. Uh, with our lives um, and it is really easy to it is really easy to fall into the trap if you're in a position like us to just like not engage with it at all and it's like nope game this is my job it's my job that's all i have to think about or to fall into 
like despair over feeling like you're wasting your life or that you're not doing something important <laughs> um, or to fall into those easy platitudes. So I'm curious, Danielle and Patrick, like once upon is, a time in, yes. in 2010 or so, I actually did some actual research into this because I was, I was trying to sort of spearhead a, a tiny little uh, game development thing at the ACLU. So I, okay. I sort of had to convince my colleagues there, many of whom were not gamers, many of whom were in their 60s or 70s, uh, you know, old school activists uh, who, you know, were not necessarily on board. And uh... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I, I was looking into the work that was being done at uh, at the time, Games for Change, and iCivics.org, which was actually right. Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, games portal. She was sort of involved in making a games portal teaching what? about civics kind of to what? kids through these little <laughs> management sim-style things. Sure. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty what? rad, actually. So okay. there was a time where I'm going to believe could've... that's true because you just said it was. Yeah, no, I know. And this is, Did this you is write real... about this? Anymore? Oh, iCivics. Is it iCivics? iCivics.org. Yeah. I'm looking at it's it. It's actually really cool. Not Don't lie. just learn civics, play civics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had some good outcomes, but like, again, this was seven years ago, so I don't remember the numbers. I, I remember seeing some encouraging research that was done on the educational value mm-hmm. of types of games like this, especially sort of like sim games, like management sim kinds of games that, that actually sort of in- force you to engage on on some level with, with the, the ways these things actually kind of work. But... That's seven-year-old, you know, that's, that's seven-year-old right. uh, data. Uh, I have not since actually looked at, you know, any white papers, so. There is, a, there is like, a, <laughs> a, 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 a game called Do I Have a Right, in which you run your own firm of lawyers who specialize in constitutional it's law. It's great. It's and so the, cool. It's a cool game. The art for it, I'm just going to send this over right, just right now, is like, it's, it's definitely of its age of just like someone who likes Phoenix Wright and is not the artist on Phoenix Wright um, making it's like it's like it's like very good like 2012 visual novel art. Uh, I love it. I'm gonna put it in a, into our chat. It's a really it's cool little game. I'm not gonna lie. I played a lot of it. It was cool. Oh wow. <laughs> Uh-huh. You are it's, not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's a little horny. It's a little like oh, yeah. I was gonna say. It's a little horny. They want to those two. Those those two have gone into a closet in that they office. Have, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. They've they definitely just, like, they had a quickly fixed their ties. <laughs> oh, it was heated. Of liberties. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we're stepping over this very important question, which is which. Uh, I guess like on one hand, I see the direction you're going, which is like, hey, there are ways in which games can. Um, uh, engage with these difficult things and like actually maybe teach us something, right? Is that the direction yes. you're going? I mean, it, okay. it, it, I think games like this that were actually made with uh, constitutional lawyers sort of at the, <laughs> you know, in the development of, you know, horny constitutional lawyers, which, you know, they all are, in case you didn't <laughs> I'd know. I'd play that game. I'd play, play that game. game. The I'd game watch that show. Uh, the good wife, Coming if you will, of constitutional roll. law. Um, it, there, I think there there is actually some some decent evidence that there is uh, 
actual sort of uh, political literacy uh, being taught there. I think that's good. I don't know if I'm on board with, you know, and frankly, I don't know kind of what's going on with with Games for Change at the moment. I I do know there was a whole lot of sort of glad handing uh, at some point in the past about games that were made for social change and news games and all sorts of stuff. I think there was a lot written about them and not a lot of actual research done on their sort of efficacy as educational tools. Um, so, you know, I think there, there, there's a danger of a lot of things being said and nothing actually being said. You know, to speak to that, like, briefly, I definitely yeah. think this is a situation where there are people who, the closer you are to those things, the more actually critical you are about whether or not they're good or useful, sure. or more, especially the more knowledgeable you are about the fact that there has not been a lot of research. Um, I did a talk, I was the moderator of a talk at the Columbia School of Education last year, along with some people who work in kind of the serious games or, or, you know, uh, kind of like educational game space. Um, And they were all like super aware that like, listen, you need to test these things. There is not, you don't just say I'm going to make a game about poverty and then you made a game about poverty. Like you need way more than that. Um, The specific example that they gave was a game that was designed to be about, uh, to teach people that poverty wasn't like, poor planning or like a bad choice it wasn't just like oh hey you know i woke up one day and decided to be lazy it's that living under poverty restricts your your choices to begin with and blah 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 and then the actuality of that game design was if you played it right you got to be super rich or like you get to not be poor um you could super easy and so the takeaway from people when they tested for what their uh feelings were about people who who uh, were lower income the response was after playing the game more people believed it was the fault of oh, poor God. people that they were poor Ugh. as like mm. literally completely the inverse <laughs> of what the intended effect was yep um so yeah like i i'm definitely sort of skeptical though the, the other thing that happens is definitely like you someone hears that someone is making games about real issues and then thinks how can we get money behind this how can mm-hmm. we get money from this and that that's of rarely comes i think from the people who've dedicated their lives to this thing that doesn't make them a lot of money yeah. but does come from people who are like opportunistic and that sucks when that happens and um, i just think it's also for these types of games like if you tell someone this is a game uh where you're going to learn about poor people like you're automatically turning away a lot of people that are just are not like they're going to start thinking edutainment and they're like just not going to go down that path. And that's why games like Cart Life and Papers, Please or Papers, Please are uh, exceptionally good at being politically political games without right. being necessarily outwardly like waving a political flag. Right. Like Papers, Please is about like immigration policy and like Cart Life is about like lower income workers. Uh, and they're they're really good at like imbuing you lessons about what it is like from those two different viewpoints without sort of saying like, hey, you're going. here's what you're going to learn today. Not to say games like that can't be useful. I just feel like one, if you start with that premise, you're already going to get a lot of people that regardless of like how well designed it is or how interesting it is, you're, you're going to lose a lot of people along yeah, right. the way. Yeah. I will say that we have, to use the word of the year, pivoted. <laughs> uh-huh. we've, we found our pivot point to get away from the difficult question, which is the question was basically, is the fact that we're all playing cheap, ad- addictive, mm. like empty games is that driving down community engagement local engagement engagement with the issues in our lives and i think you can probably expand that that's just to, media that's not games right, yes. say, you can spend that beyond games but like yes absolutely like 100 yes. yeah. like there is like you know being snippy on twitter is a lot easier than going out and uh to marching so uh, what do we and, you do know. about this mm. as people whose job it is to cover games like 
is it our duty to like be more rigorous in our coverage to not give as much attention to those things to try to use those as a as a vector to talk about like i i'm spitballing i don't have a an answer to this right now i think it's a fucking difficult question to say like in the world in which we are saturated by cheap media that distracts us instead of which engages us or that distracts us instead of connects us how do we what do we do as journalists and critics but even just as citizens and people in the world to get to to live in that world and encourage that sort of community community building. I think we can advocate for a balance uh, because I think there's a, there's a lot of value in games that are just fun and just a distraction. Sure. If somebody is having a really difficult time in their life, it's it's okay for them to, you know, seek, you know, a little quiet healing space uh, right. with with you know whatever match 3 game that get, that gives them a few minutes of 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 pleasure and happiness. Uh, but Solitarica course, is really good. Play yeah, you Solitarica. Know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about things that that make you feel good and and give you a break from how fucking horrible right. the world is. But it always has to come with a balance. Uh, I remember uh, just today, Heather Alexandra, uh, friend friend of the show, I guess, uh, was was tweeting about this. Was tweeting about like, yeah, take take a minute if you need a minute. You know, do whatever is fun, whatever you find healing. Uh, and then, but also sort of like, you can you can get your mind away, but your, your body ready to march. She said something really sort of poignant like that, where it was like, yeah, I, uh, it's okay to take a break, but make sure you come back to reality uh, full force and actually do the, the fighting that needs to be fought, basically. Uh, I, I think it is uh, the, the challenge for, for us, like the three of us, is realizing the sort of like media reality we are in. Yeah. And yes, you can hand ring over that, but also... That is what it is. And so the challenge for us is how do you package, how do you make it enticing for people to engage with that rather than getting upset that they won't? The challenge should be how do you do it so they will right. in a way that you can bring them in. And so that's what we need to figure out. You know, it's things we were thinking about this week. It's like, all right, it's the inauguration. Like, how do we find angles in video games that are going to get people interested and engaged. Like, the, the the Affordable Care Act piece is, like, a great example of that. Like, this affects the games that you want to play, which is a policy in real life. It's not uh, just, you know, a slice of social justice. Like, it's a real thing that's going to affect the games you want to play. And so... It's people with cancer. It's people yeah, with... Pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fuck. But it's on us to find a way, like, rather than complaining that, like, people won't click on it, it's, like, right. how do you get people to click on it? And that's on us to find the angles. That's on us to find... The, the ways in, and I mean, that's going to be an ongoing challenge, because it's not going to get easier, that things are going to get diced up more and more going forward, and so it's, it, we need to, instead of complaining about, like, why won't these young kids just look at this stuff, like, t- take your vegetables, right? Like, yeah, like, they're not gonna, so instead, real, how do you get through to them through that avenue, and, like, that's the great challenge for, for us in media, is, is, is finding a way to do that. Yeah, I, I also just want to say, I don't think this is, I, I just, <clears throat> let me, let me put on my philosophy cap real quick, Two things. So one is, this isn't a new dilemma in some way, right? Like there is, one of the philosophers who has been most influential for me has been Foucault. I've mentioned Foucault a a bunch, maybe not on this podcast, but, um, and, and Foucault like really cleanly divides into like an old period and a new period. Um, And in the old period, he's like deeply interested in systems of power and the ways in which power produce individuality or produce the self, right? Like um, he writes about sexuality and kind of, and and history and, and about how 
the kind of systems of power help produce what the kind of uh, status quo is when it comes to what counts as sexually deviant um, <clears throat> and, and how that's all actually tied into this historical shift in power. It's really fascinating stuff. And then in his later life, he goes from talking about biopower and about the control of bodies and about how we're all controlled to talking about self-care. And like a lot of the discourse that we have around self-care, a lot of that comes from Foucault and people who've studied Foucault and people who wrote against Foucault. Um, and, and suddenly becomes this guy who's saying like, actually, I'm choosing to have the sorts of sex I want to have. Like, and that is itself a, a revolutionary thing he's doing. And so he goes from being the sort of person who says put down your phone. He, he didn't say put down your phone. He was writing in the, the mid-century. Right. Um, put down your phone. So being the person who's saying, actually, we are better for occasionally picking up our phone and letting ourselves do the thing that is wasteful, that is not about being pro- productive. Um, I think that's a really interesting dilemma because or like, the, like there are people who like that old Foucault. It's like, I miss the old Foucault sh- straight off the blow Foucault. Like the, it's, <laughs> if you want to get easy about it. Um, so... That's like an old thing. That is not a, a unique thing in 2017. Um, the other thing I'll say, and I think this gets to Patrick's point, is I think a lot about there's an, there was an interview done with the philosopher um, Heidegger, who is not the best dude. Uh, he mm. spent some time with the Nazi party, mm-hmm. um, left it. Uh, I, I'm not a Heideggerian necessarily. Um, I think he he is you know like Birth of a Nation <laughs> did some things at the technical level that were really interesting, yeah, but yeah. also my dude you were a Nazi for a bit, so, eh. um, <laughs> but in a later interview in his life, someone kind of said, well, like it seems as if this is it, like it seems as if the left is defeated and it seems as if the world is in its place and like we're gonna be here, things don't seem like they're gonna change in a big way, um, and he said only a god can save us. And I don't think he meant, or I don't, it's not just me, you know, scholars don't think he meant like only god can come down from heaven and save us. He meant that only things that we could never predict hmm. will shake things up. Um, and for us, that stuff that seems irrelevant to us in the day to day, it means that like there could be a, a, a radical revolution in Indonesia tomorrow and like no one knows what that would do to the sphere of the world, right? Um, it means that the situation with China could change in a huge way. It means that it means that you know a, a, a really powerful political figure could come out of nowhere um, who talks to people in a way that that you know really does engage them. It means that also it means that there could be a national disaster tomorrow. there could be a, a, a storm that we haven't thought of three months from now that changes the entire Trump presidency and the state of America as we know it. There could be an earthquake. They're like all that stuff. And for Heidegger, the goal isn't to like let that thing wipe through history and change it. It's to be ready for that thing and to be ready to, to be be prepared and to have developed the skills necessary to move in that moment and take political action. And so I think for us, this goes back to the like thing I was saying earlier about like trying to get into types of journalism that equip you. Um, we want when those when those opportunities emerge for you to be able to do something like Danielle being an EMT is probably really tough and challenging but I'm <laughs> glad you're going to be an EMT at that march because if something sure. happens and someone gets hurt you will be equipped for that moment I think we can think about ourselves as being politically equipped in that same way um, that's a talk I did not expect to give today. That was good anyway Let's get, let's get another let's get another question talk number two you did not expect to give today and it's true it's uh, true well. That gives us a number, although we just did two. Is Jaden on this call? Yeah. 
<laughs> Jaden. I can just go. Do you want me to go get Jaden? I could. Jaden. I could go get. Hey, Jaden. <laughs> I'll open my window and shout. Fuck, man. Jaden. It's just gonna get. Here's the thing. I have to walk past there. I walk. I. Hmm. There's just gonna be people and cameras. I, maybe There's I should start going. Now, Austin, okay, but wait. What if I just start going in the middle of the night when no one is there and start doing my own? <laughs> You should do what you just did, yeah. What if I just get a table and just do a late night show out there every night? It's <gasps> a great idea. Huh. Get Jaden to hang out with you. Right, me sit, and Jaden. Sit him down at the table, you know. Listen, like... let's let's go to school, Jaden. I'm going to teach you about Foucault real quick. <laughs> you know, all relationships. Is that a food? Is, that's, yeah, Foucault is a food. <gasps> that's correct. Sounds delicious. Jaden Smith's Twitter is delightful. Give me that. You said two? You yeah. said two. This is this is a good transit. This is a good question. This All is right. from Andrew, who says, "Has our recent stressful political climate changed the sort of games you play in your free time?" Personally, I find myself drifting away from stressful tests of skill and more towards comfort food gaming, like music games, grindy JRPGs, and farming simulators. We actually had this uh, discussion on Idle Weekend last week about awesome. about being very, you know, having all this guilt about. Uh, well, everything, but also sort of like piles of shame and having, you know, choice paralysis and being stressed out by politics. And uh, we, we basically decided that Witcher 3 is the answer. I, I loaded <laughs> up the Witcher 3 again. I've been I've been playing a little bit of that. Uh, so, yep, uh, the I answer am... is yes. I have gone back to something that I know I love that will actually take <laughs> my brain away from the current world and actually give me a real escape. And it's like tried and true. I know it's going to do what I need it to do. So... I, I guess, but like, I I just did a series of, so I'm 41 hours into The Witcher now, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it Good. real, I'm keeping it witching. Um, uh, Geralt and I just are going witching. on adventures, keep, we gotta keep witching. Uh, and like, it got dark. Well, that's a, that it's a dark had... game, but it's like, it engages me in a way I mean, it does have a day-night cycle. Won't. You know what Fuck I mean? Off, oh, it has a day-night cycle. <laughs> Good. Um, I actually, so real, real, I'm just going to sidebar really quick to complain about this Witcher quest. Can I do that? Is that <laughs> yes. allowed? Uh-huh, sure, yeah. Witch yeah. it up. Wait, we didn't have, uh, uh no Witcher Wednesday on Monday. Witcher Wednesday, or no, nope. no Witcher moment in the podcast, so here it is. So, I just did the quest, there's a series of quests on which you, spoilers for the, like, early, early mid-game of the Witcher, probably, which is, I'm in Novigrad, and I'm looking for Dandelion, mm-hmm. uh, who is your, like, bard bud, mm-hmm. um, aka, what do they call him? BB. Mr. William Regal. Uh, my name is Mr. <laughs> Regal. Um, and, and that quest, the structure of that quest line is really good because it, like, it blooms. It, like, blossoms. It, like, spreads like, like, like a vine where it's like, oh, I have to go here. And this is true for a lot of the Witcher stuff. I'm like, oh, I have to go here. And then I have to go talk to somebody else to save information. And then that sprouts off another different quest line. Um, and the first half of that I really loved because it was like, oh, he, you know, he left, um, if you look at his planner, it shows that he's talked to all these different, like, women that he's courting, basically. Um, and each one of them, or many of them lead off into another side thing where they're like, oh, you're going to race a horse against a general because he's weirdly connected in this. And, oh, you're going to go teach, like, sword fighting to this young, like, aristocrat woman. It's really interesting. And then it got to, it, like, kept doing that in this way that I thought was really interesting and really, like, um... It, it's not a thing you see in games a lot. Normally you have the quest and then you do the quest and then you hit the complete button. And in this, it was like spreading off into all these side things. But then it got to one that ended in like, that felt just like lazy as fuck of just, <laughs> not, that's wrong, not lazy. It felt rushed. It felt like they'd spent a lot of time setting up this quest, um, which was about locating this 
this dude. I don't remember why I was even trying to locate that dude. But then, like, you find out where he is. There's very powerful characters. Like, oh, yeah, he's over here. I keep him in this house. He has this oh, house Oh, I for remember me. this now. And, like, yeah. that, that powerful character shows up out of nowhere. And it is, like, not very well introduced. I know he's a character in the series, but, like, still. And then you go into that dude's house, and it's just, like, a slaughterhouse in there. It's just, like, out of a bad, like, episode of SVU or something. <laughs> of just, like, oh, there are just dead women everywhere. Yeah. Um, and the premise is that he's been living like this indefinitely, like, for a while, for at least days or weeks. And it just, like, felt like it was painted last second like oh we really need you to hate this guy what's the thing he could have done oh murdered dozens of women <laughs> that's that's the thing he and it's just like ah oh, this is this feels cheap like this doesn't feel like they set it up in a way uh, maybe i missed stuff on the way but other than that i'm having a really good time i got that troll that paint i found another cool troll who like oh. was guarding some gold it's good good trolls in that game trolls are great anyway games that we play when we are trying to distract ourselves from from politics <laughs> again building off of the the last question actually Patrick, are you playing anything? Like, are you finding time for anything that's like, this is just relaxing? I don't have time for things like that. My, 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 I mean, like, my, uh, I, uh, I mean, my, my, that's what my kid is, right? Like, so I don't, I literally don't have the free time yeah. beyond playing the games that I need to do my job to make time for games that are just, this is for me. Right. Um, but that free time is taken up by my kid who, like, in some ways, it's like a larger game. Like, can you raise like a child to make a meaningful impact in the world and make this place a better place than you than you arrived? That's my game. That's a good um, goal. Good goal. And, That's a hell of a goal. You know, I've played you know? I've played some games that take place in real time before, but that sounds like a real long term game. That's like it's one like of those. an eight. You have to sign like this eighteen year contract. Sure. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. I should have looked at the terms of service uh, yeah. before. It used to be. Uh, it actually used up. to be a twenty six year old or twenty six year long uh, contract, where you, you should at least cover them for. 26 years <laughs> Until the now, now it's, uh, yeah. back, to, back to 18 i think i will say that's oh that's the ultimate game i will say i've i found a lot of solace lately in learning wrestling right and, and jujitsu and pushing people around that's been very that's a game i guess yeah and i've definitely been, been like very looking for, therapeutic i spent i spent the last couple of weeks thinking about trying to find a hobby that was something that was wasteful um that was like this is for me. I'm never going to talk about it publicly. It, not because it's bad, but because, like, it's not... It could for, be bad, though. It could, it's allowed to be bad. I'll it could be, be bad. bad. I'll, you well, can have whatever, bad whatever it is, I'll be you bad. You bad, Austin. I, well, it could be bad. <laughs> um, but, like, that isn't a thing that someone could tweet at me and say, can I see you do that thing? Not because it's illegal to see them or, like, wrong mm, or mm, explicit. Mm, uh, but, because, uh-huh. but, because but it could be. We live in a, in a very public world. We live in a world in which Twitch IRL is a thing, um, <laughs> in which there is pressure as public figures to open ourselves up in a big way and to have everything be part of, a, of like, an oeuvre. And I don't want that. I want a thing that isn't that, and playing games can't be that for us anymore, right? That, like... Patrick, you and I need to write that letter about or letter series back and forth about Gravity Rush Two and class, which yeah. like Jesus Christ, speaking that's a lot. Of. And that's like that was a game that I was like, this is gonna be a light and fun. I'm gonna fly around. I'm gonna <laughs> fall around. And then like, and it is. It is definitely that. Yeah, but it also it is also, not that. It, there is also <laughs> some class warfare. <laughs> so that's it's. I think that's so. So for us, it sounds like maybe because it's our job. We all look outside of games for that sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah, I watch, I watch horror films. I, I read. Like I don't look to games for that stuff because 
I I just I am in a games. I'm in games too deep, guys. <laughs> it's in too deep. I will say there are I'm games I like go to on some specifically bad days. I, I really on days where I'm just like I need a thing. I replay um, uh, Gravity Bone and Thirty Flights of Loving, which are like tight little. Good choice. Uh, yeah. I could play both of those in like an hour, hour fifteen minutes. There's like uh, it's just like really aesthetically pleasing to me. It's sort of like eating a really nice meal, and that's that's one of my like bits of escapism, I guess. I, don't do I think today, often. today I might, um, I might pay four ninety nine for Knack on the PlayStation Store. It's, listen, nice. one good thing today, Patrick. It's on sale, seventy five percent off. That's pretty intense. Like democracy. Knack <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. two. For people who don't know, there is a really good song. Oh yes, the new Waypoint anthem. Knack two. Feet. What about you? <laughs> You find that on twitter.com slash waypoint. Just dig through the feed until you find the Knack 2 trap rap song. So you hear it echoing off in the distance. Let's do one more question and wrap it okay. up. Okay. Give me a number between 1 and 20-something. 26? 24? 26. Why don't you pick one? All right, I will. I'm going to... One second. I'm going to go to a dice roller. Uh, oh, roll of course. A 26-sided dice. That's oh, a thing. good. Um, Do they make those? No. Uh, roll 26-sided die. Thanks, Google. Are you Google doing this on a website? Dice.virtuworld.com. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. that's not true. Sure. That only goes up to nine sides. I typed rolled, I typed dice roller into Google, and it was just like, it just said two. Like, you did it. You rolled a two on a <laughs> 2d6. But I, it says six-sided die. I don't know how to change that to a 26-sided die. Well, we'll roll three of them, and then... You could add them. You know. I could add them. Okay, so I'll roll... Yeah. I'll roll... Twenty six isn't divided by by six. I know. I know. I'm, just, I'm just saying. You're, you're overthinking add a couple, it. You're overthinking it. Add a couple it. together. You're kill- okay. I'll add. I'll add four together. I'm gonna roll forty six. So here we go. Ready? Three plus five is eight. Plus mm-hmm. one is nine. Mm-hmm. Plus four is thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Thirteen's a great number. Thirteen's a great number. This one comes in from Steve from Kingston upon Hull in England. Hey, Waypoint. Big fan of you guys. I love the show. So my political gaming question is, this is a good one to end on. If video game characters ran for parties, which video game character do you think would run for which party? And what policies do you think they would try to enforce? What do you think their vote campaign would look like? Also, Danica should be on the podcast more. Shout out to Danica. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Danica can't get on until she writes a new poem. That's true. A better poem. Banned. Yeah, she's got to do that. So let's all pick one character, one video uh, game character. Tell me what their platform is, and tell me uh, what party they'd be part of. Be any party. Would it? What would it, we? Maybe we could all work it out together. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Rather than so let's pick. A, uh, let's pick. Who do we want to pick? Geralt. What is Geralt, Geralt up to? What is it with Geralt? Geralt. See, is Geralt a libertarian? I don't know. Um. Hmm. Geralt. Geralt likes to. He's get definitely paid. an independent. He might be an independent. He's definitely he says an independent. He's, Independent. Well, or, sure. but like, is he? He's one of those independents that's yeah. like, oh, I'm an independent. Like, yeah, you're not. No, you're not. You're, you know, you're not. You caucus with the Dems. Like, that's just... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think so. One, he wants to get paid, right? Um, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like he knows from personal experience about the value of a strong infrastructure. One, mm-hmm. one roach can only gallop like uh, by its own <laughs> by its own free will on roads. If you just hold down that A button twice, it'll just he'll just run on the road without Geralt. Yep. So that's good for Geralt. Two, he's seen what like villages in disrepair, what happens to them, 
And the thing that happens is monsters happen. Monsters yes. or like yeah, he does he does things for poor people. He does things for rich he people. Like he's very he's all over the he place. He seems to respect women's autonomy. He does as well. He does. I feel like and he he loves women. He, he loves, loves women. women. He, loves, he women. loves women. He loves them. That's for sure. That's women love him. And also. Women, women love that's him true. Too. That's yeah. true. <laughs> women will turn out to vote yeah. for Geralt, especially like good beard <laughs> Geralt. Dudes will show oh, up yeah. for Geralt too. Listen, I, you know he yeah. is. Yeah. Yes, they will. Um, yes, they will. The the. I think the other thing here is I like to think a lot about Geralt as being a he's a traditional guy, right? Like I, I think he's all, despite all of this, he comes from a he remembers a different time for for the world. One where how old like is him, he? Do we know? O- older. He's like a hundred and three or something. He remembers before women and black people could vote. He does, and he's a you know what my Geralt my Geralt likes minorities. My girl <laughs> is not humans first. Yep. He's not. He's not. Care uh, Morin. Morgan. Care. Care Morin. Care Morin. First, he likes. The, he's all about the war. He's a. He's cosmopolitan. Um, uh, that's my girl. Anyway, uh, he's nearly one hundred years old, or about a hundred years old. Okay. That's some shit you say in a bar. That's some shit you say yeah. to someone you yeah. think looks attractive. I mean, I mean, this is this is Google. I'm about, about one hundred. It's me, Gary. About 100 years old. Yeah. Young. I've learned a lot of things. <laughs> it's a great... He's a worldly man. He's a very worldly man. He, he sees all different cultures. Right. He you know, has to. And respects them. There are contracts everywhere. The elves take out contracts. The dwarves take out contracts. He doesn't say no to all dwarven contracts. He has to work across the, across the aisle with everybody. He's going to go he's help he's a like troll a find some Democrat, paint. I think. Yeah. I think... Maybe. That's bad, though. Yeah. Well... It's more, it's more, I feel like I don't, I guess Geralt can be from. bad. I don't know. I guess we can't necessarily shape Geralt yeah. into what we want. Geralt is Geralt. Do you think Geralt feels, what do you think Geralt feels about the witch hunters? Because like the witch hunters mm. are like doing his job, but like in this really professionalized, buttoned up way where like he's the guy who knows all the old tricks and they've all gone to like technical college to like <laughs> learn the like the privatization well, that's the thing. of he's kind of a blue collar dude right like that he's he's kind of like the plumber who instead of you know taking care of your toilet takes care of your monster problem yeah he's like very like blue collar like yeah so i think he I votes democrat i think he votes democrat or liberal or you know wherever you're you are definitely a pro is he pro union though Maybe he's not pro union. I feel like I feel like, like he he probably gets. Uh, I he does not. Girl does not like institutional order. He doesn't like bureaucracy and and things slowing him up. Like he just wants to get shit done. Right. Just and get out of my he, way. He doesn't want to wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know where. He, I don't think he fits in the spectrum, guy. I think, I no. think the political spectrum doesn't quite capture. Carol. <laughs> I mean, he's he's kind of like a socially liberal. Yeah. Socially liberal. And also, like, believes in infrastructure. Right. But also... So he's, he can't be full libertarian. Right. But also wants to be able to do whatever he can, wants to do. But wants his freedom. He, he's, not, he's not into regulation. Right. Pro-infrastructure, yeah. pro yeah. anti-regulation. That's mm-hmm. a thing that doesn't exist That's in America so right weird. now. Right? Yeah. Um, I guess the limited regulations are things like your town shouldn't have monsters in it. Um, <laughs> You're right. He, yeah, system. he might be okay with that. He wants, he wants there to be a cool message board on, in every town that he can see contracts <laughs> in. The government should put up a message board and get out of the way so I can do my job. He just doesn't like people who suck at their job. That's true. That's what it is. It's not just like being against bureaucracy. It's more like I'm against people who clog up the system, right. who make things bad. Not that like the system is necessarily evil. If you say that Geralt wants to drain the swamp, I'm kicking you off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Velen, 
Villain has some issues, you know. <laughs> but he needs those issues. In some ways, he is the career politician, right? Job security is the monsters that keep running in, right? right? That's his job security. He needs the, the, the marriage to fall apart because one of them is secretly a werewolf. He needs that. Oh, I don't know. I don't think you're going to get there today. Let's all think about what Geralt might, where, where Geralt's heart What would might, Geralt do? What would Geralt and if, you know, if people have to... other recommendations on what they think video game characters are doing out in the political spectrum, please tell us. You let us know, because we are listening. We are listening hard. I am Austin Walker. You can find me at twitter.com slash Austin Walker. You can find everything that Waypoint does uh, at waypoint.vice.com, at uh, twitter.com slash waypoint. Uh, you can go to digitalpyramids.com. I just remembered something very important. Digitalpyramids.com. You can go to waypoint.zone. You can go to bazinga.zone. And someone hooked us the fuck up. Someone gave us the biggest gift this week. You know what? Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck the inauguration. There's one good thing in my heart today. You can go to new.donk.city. Yes! New.donk.city. And find out yes! everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. It's a redirect. Someone set up new.donk.city. Say that Us. ten times fast. New.donk.city. 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 <laughs> I can do it. It's in my blood, Patrick. Yeah, you can do it. New.donk.city. That's, that's what you need. Can you please go uh, back to that live stream <laughs> and just... Don't, no more Donald Trump. No more, like, no more what we should do politics. in the next four years. Like, right. just spit game about New Donk City. Oh, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about another plumber. Mario. Who's <laughs> the first plumber. Mr. Mario Mario. And the real new donker. Um, where can people find you on the internet, Patrick and Danielle? I guess they can still find me there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Patrick Klubik. Uh, I can find Facebook at uh, uh, Pete Klubik. Danielle? Awesome. I am at Danielle R.I. on Twitter and Danielle Riendo Writer on Facebook. Awesome. Please stay tuned for us to come back on Monday and, and we'll be out of our politics, ex- explicit politics episodes um, and back into just talking about what we've been playing and what's happening in the industry. But we will absolutely probably continue to bring all of this stuff up. I think I'm just going to toss all these uh, politics buckets questions into the big bucket. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we'll hit them as we hit them. Um, yeah, hopefully I should be. I need to look at the embargo, but I, hopefully I can talk about Resident Evil 7 on the podcast. I, oh, do you mean Resi 7? As our friends stop. in the UK say? Stop it. Resi no. 7. Stop. Patrick's giving me a look right now. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a thing. I know it's a thing. It's a thing. But it's it shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> you want to play a little Resi stop and then after we can play a little stop. footy. Now I'm turning this I'm turning my microphone off. I'm I'm, I'm done. As always, this, you, find. you know what? Today was a lot. That was that's where that's my line. That was too much. <laughs> Today of all days. You found it. This betrayal. Um, you can find the music that you're about to hear uh, at, at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Shoutouts to Bowen, who is a, a fantastic electronic musician who, who lets us use his song Miss You off of the EP Pale Machine as our theme song. And shoutouts to Tim Barnes, who on today yeah, will cut this into a podcast for you to listen to. Shoutouts to Tim Barnes, Tim Barnes 451 on Twitter. I remembered it. I think that's going to do it for us. I want everybody to take... Take some time this weekend. Take even if it's just an hour or two, and just like read a book or listen to an album you like. I said this the other day, but just like seriously, just do something that is not directly connected to games or to politics or to the world in this direct key way, and like do something you wouldn't normally do, and and let yourself have that uh, until Monday. Peace.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.